All right, welcome to Birdland tonight, where you got four of us, maybe five, as Bob tries to join us. And we're going to uh, talk about some Orioles spring training. So let's go around the horn, I guess, in the center tile. We've got Jimmy from Bleacher Birds. Jimmy, how you doing? Fantastic. That's good. When you do just a little hand symbol, it doesn't come across on the microphone. So it doesn't help the people who have downloaded the podcast audio-only version of Birdland Tonight, which everyone should be subscribing to so we can get those numbers up, which helps us get this show ready for our opening day. Next to Jimmy, we got Joe. watch live, go ahead and get that special, though. Yeah, but dead air doesn't help. Joe, how's it going? Good, Josh. How are you doing? I'm not bad. All right, right below you, we got Cody from I Just Like the Duck. How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me. All good. And then uh, let's see if Bob's mic works. Let's see. Can you hear me? Hey, we can hear you, Bob. All right. All right. That's good. Not unclear. Yeah. Failure during the pre-show meeting. As long as it works when the show starts, we're all good. It's like spring training. Yes. Yes. So let's talk about spring training. Besides the fact that we've learned this week that spring training is even more pointless and the guys don't take it that serious based on some of the broadcasts we've seen, like mic'd up catchers and uh, balls, batters going up to the plate with like AirPods in, being on the phone, having a conversation during spring training games. Um, but at least we've had baseball on TV. Have you guys gotten to see a few games this week? Yeah, watch the game today. It was great. It was baseball. I guess also nodding the head applies, right, Josh? Yeah, I get it. You gotta... <laughs> I get it. You're, all, you're all nodding the heads. Mm-hmm, we will mm-hmm. teach you all how to do a podcast. Right. So, But yes. Uh, yeah. So today – and today was another fun game. Any – I'm gonna let's just. I'm not gonna ask for your takeaways because we've seen these games. I'm just gonna go straight with some of my takeaways and get your thoughts. And I want to start with the pitching because we went into the season knowing the pitching would be bad. Now we've seen some spring training and the pitching looks really bad. So what are you guys thinking about the state of the Orioles and how this season's looking as far as rotation? Let's start with the rotation first. Cody, how about you? Yeah, I, I kind of made. I've been kind of running a, uh, a kind of a, a weekly or daily report card. Uh, you know how I grade out these guys, and so far there's nobody there, there's nobody blowing me away. Um, you know, I, I see Keegan Aiken and Dean Kramer as kind of like B minus students. Um, even John Means is you know I, I think he improved his grade with uh, his last out. He probably had a C plus, uh, and then. I don't know if we've actually seen any games with Matt Harvey or if he's just been on the radio, but uh, I, I really have an incomplete on, on Matt Harvey right now. Uh, to be fair, Wade LeBlanc, who I think is a, a rotation candidate, uh, he's he's done better than expected. Uh, but I think surprisingly, Bruce Zimmerman is, is making a case for why he should be in that starting rotation. So I'm excited to see his next outing. Yeah, Bruce Zimmerman pitched on, I think it was Monday or Tuesday with the Twins. And that was a game that was on TV. And that was one where that's the only game where I can say I saw some good pitching because we also saw Dean Kramer get a start that day. Joe, how are you feeling about Dean? Well, my concern, and this goes for the pitching across the board, is 
do we have enough guys to fill out a rotation for 162 games? Right. I mean, we're talking about Bruce Zimmerman, who's looked who looked good, right? Um, but is Bruce Zimmerman going to be consistent throughout the course of a season? Well, the I'm asking. Have a tradition of 10, 12, 15 starters. They do. They do. Um, and that, and and that's the same with Harvey and Hernandez, who you know didn't look good. I mean, they've only pitched a hand, uh, handful of innings each. Um, but but that's as as I've been watching this, that's been my takeaway. Has been, geez, what? Who's pitching this year? I still I still don't know. That that's going to be a guy you can throw out there every five or six days and at least remain competitive. I don't know. It's it's been tough from a pitching standpoint so far this spring. All right, Jimmy, you've been before spring training started. You've been praising King Felix and saying that you really think he's going to make a difference in this rotation, and I'm pretty sure you're serious about it. So why don't you tell me how you think he's going to fit into this rotation? So I I think it's just going to be the veteran leadership. You know, I mean, he's going to be the guy that's going to go ahead and eat up some innings. Um, I still think below a 3.50 ERA is possible. Uh, I'll continue to preach that throughout the rest of spring training until he proves me wrong. Um, what I'm more concerned with is I know it's early. I know it's a small sample size, but I'm ready to cut ties with Matt Harvey already. I've seen nothing from him, um, heard nothing from him, and I'm just, you know, it, that man's been on a downhill slide for the past, what, five years, and he showed absolutely nothing. So All right. we're ready to cut ties with him already. Let's go ahead and see if wants to go ahead and step up, one of these people that we just don't know anything about, and give them an opportunity. Okay. Hey, Bob, are you have you been disappointed with John Means, his performance? His first outing, he really struggled. They pulled him out, and then they put him back in. We got to see that fun of spring training. Um, this guy is supposed to be our ace. I know it's the Orioles ace and everyone has to have an ace. So it's a different standard, but come on, we need more from John means, right? I think we'll get more once the season starts. I'm not too worried. I think his velocity is still there. Maybe a tick down from the mid nineties. He was showing last season. His changeup looked a lot better in his second appearance. He didn't get much help from his defense. You know, it's spring training. Our defense has been terrible. So I think he'll be ready once the season rolls around to at least give us five or six good innings. Yeah, the defense has been pretty bad. Um, now they say, oh, well, it's the wind and the sun in Sarasota. Thankfully, in Baltimore, we don't have wind or sun. <laughs> I mean, it seems That's like true. excuses, but how much – when the Orioles were good, we had those strong defenses behind average pitching. How much of a difference do you think that's going to really mean – this year i think it could be big especially up the middle with yomer sanchez and freddie galvis and mullins and hayes splitting time in center field that's pretty strong defense up the middle and once you know the scrubs or the backups or people fighting for utility spots aren't playing a lot of innings in the middle of the field that's going to help a lot all right um there was lots of rumors this week about the orioles going after a third baseman looking for another veteran joe you think they're going to pick someone up uh, you know, I, is it going to be someone that's impactful? Uh, no, but is it someone that could compete 
Uh, sure. I mean, the depth is always going to be this team's MO, you know, as we're continuing the rebuild. So, um, you know, I don't think it's going to be anything that puts butts in the seats, but they might go out and get somebody to, to give some competition there at third base. But I do want to go back to Jimmy, uh, three and a half ERA or below for Felix. I'll bet you a bag of Clancy's on that, Jimmy. I'm on it. (laughs) (laughs) I think, yeah, I think if Jimmy's accepting all bets on that ERA, there's a lot of people that are going to come running, <laughs> waving some money at him. If um, he doesn't make the team, does that count as a 0.00? We'd have to look at the fine print. All right, right. Yeah, i got to work out the details on that. Right. All right, but you mentioned butts in seats. The, or- the governor this week announced that the Orioles could have 50%, up to 50% of fans in the stadium. How much of a difference do you think having fans in the stadium is? And uh, Jimmy, does that mean you'll be going to a game this year? You jumping on in early April? I don't think that means anybody's going to a game yet, say, because the governor said that we can go ahead and open it up, but we're still waiting on the mayor to uh, go ahead and clear everything. So before everybody goes and gets too excited about what the governor went ahead and said, let's not forget it needs to get past one more layer before uh, before we're sitting there. All right. So Jimmy wants to complain about the mayor instead of (laughs) instead of going with the easy joke of when's the last time the Orioles had 50 percent at a non opening day game? There's been a, I've heard that a lot this week, but you know, it's I'm true. excited. That's why you're hearing it? It is, it is true. But I'm excited. I'm excited that there's, you know, we can get back out there. I, I know, you know, for opening day, that's where you're going to see the biggest yeah. disappointment yeah. as far as attendance, and because there is only going to be fifty percent or less there during the week, less actually than fifty percent. But still, it's, you know, it's, it's great to be able to get back out there and get fans back there. And I think that does something for your players, especially in a tough year like this year is going to be. I think it's something where it really helps for the players to go in as a crappy team and still know like there's guys behind them that have their back that are fighting for them and cheering for them and expecting all of them. I did reach out to my uh, ticket representative to make sure I can get some tickets for opening day. So I've uh, been assured I can get some. So I'm excited to go see uh, baseball in person at Camden Yards after a year without it. Bob, do you think fans affect the game? Yeah, I think a little bit. I mean, maybe not for a non-competitive team that, you know, is just maybe looking at 60 to 70 wins. It doesn't make that big of a difference. But I think especially in a competitive game, playoff game, you know, you can put some more pressure on the opposing team. All right, Cody, Cody, I think Bob is forgetting about 2011 and that final game where the team sucked, but for the fans, it was like they won the World Series. Agreed. Uh, hey, you know, I'm actually down here in Texas, so I'm almost you know, completely guaranteed at least three games when the Orioles come down uh, that I'll get to see, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's right. You got 100% occupancy. That's which, right. Again, I don't think that's a stadium that sells out that often. No, and I, I actually went to the uh, – my wife got me tickets to the Dodgers-Braves uh, National League Championship Series. Uh, that stadium, as ugly as it is on the outside, is actually quite nice and stuff. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to going to see a game there. It's not quite the same experience as, as uh, Camden Yards, but uh, 
it, it, it's it's nice and it's new, so it's a fun ballpark. I'm looking. Forward to it. All right, I saw another sports website today ranking stadium experiences, and they had Camden Yards as number five, which I except because it's like basically the grandfather of all these other stadiums. Every stadium that's above it, outside of Fenway, which you get for the experience, not for the niceness of the stadium. It's, that's all history. But I think it makes me want to go visit some of these other stadiums that are kind of just copycats of Camden Yards in better or in different cities. I was going to say better cities, but I don't know if the city's necessarily better, but they got better views like uh, San Francisco being on the – water right there and uh pittsburgh being right on the river um also for fans masson is getting on board apparently masson realized people like to watch spring training and decided hey we're going to show four games because after all that's all the orioles actually need is four games to get ready for opening day um joe what do you think this late last minute decision to cover four games is about well, they've they've had a lot of pressure. I, I guess. Well, see, I can't say pressure. I mean, the, the chatter from from people. I, I mean, I've heard on interviews here um, on on local radio uh, that they were interviewing. Uh, I don't know if it was Lou Angeles. I don't remember who who they were interviewing, but they were asking him about the streaming. They've been interviewing um, John Angelos for about three weeks in little five minute segments. Yeah. And you know they were they 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 brought that up and were asking questions about that. Um, so so who knows who knows what precipitated them deciding to throw a few games on there? But um, I'm glad they did. I mean yeah, it's, I, it's, it's nice to be able to to be able to hop on there and watch. I think they I think maybe they realize that people don't care, that normal people if the game's not on Masson, they are not caring. And I think maybe the Orioles realized. Hey, we need to sell some Oriole tickets this year. We need people to actually care that the Orioles are playing. And then my other thought is they've been teasing this Masson app. I was just checked. It's still not in the app store. So it's mm-hmm. not out yet. Yeah, I've been checking too. Um, this Masson app, could you imagine if they don't do any spring training games and release this Masson app and it fails on opening day? They got to test this thing out, I would assume. Bob, that's got to be part of their thought for opening day too, right? Is a test run? Yeah, I do believe that is a big case. I mean, like you said, you don't want to roll into the opening day, the big game against, who was it, the Red Sox this year, and and have it crap out on you. And you want to get your broadcasters a, a dry run before the regular season starts too. Scott Garceau needs to start mispronouncing names before regular season, you know. And maybe they found a couple quarters uh, under the couch cushion. All right. Um, Cody, I guess, well, this doesn't affect you because you're in Texas, so you're watching all your games on the MLB app, like me, and MLB TV. So you don't have the pregame, postgame show. You only have Birdland tonight. So don't worry. Masson's now changing their mind about spring training. If they suddenly change their mind and start deciding to do the postgame shows too, just remember it's because of our pressure because they don't want you to come and watch Birdland tonight. So, Jimmy, I plan on you leading the charge for us to uh, get more viewers than the Mass in postgame show if they announce that next, too. Oh, yeah. See, I mean, we we all know that I aim towards the uh, younger demographic with our uh, with our podcast. So, 
you know, I'll get all of the parody accounts following uh following Birdland tonight and we'll be rocking. Yeah, Section 336 does not aim towards the younger demographics. I think there's a whole lot of words that we don't even understand in that younger demographic. Let's talk a little baseball, though. There's a lot of position battles, for instance, center field with Hayes and Mullins, um, but I, and outfield where we have like eight outfielders that all could be fine <laughs> outfielders. So this really is leading towards the Orioles' bench. How do you see the bench lining up or any of these battles that – does anything really intrigue you that's going on with this battle at center field, maybe a little struggle for second base, a battle for some backup outfield positions? Which one stands out to you, Cody, as something that you've been watching? Yeah, as I kind of look at as far as who's going to be on the bench, I mean, right now I, I – you know be it Cedric Mullins or Austin Hayes playing center field, whoever's not playing center field is going to be on the bench. I think they're actually going to go with a, a, a you know, a four deep bench. One of those other, uh, in addition to the center fielder is going to be the backup catcher. So chance Cisco. So that really leaves you with two more. Now is one of those going to be Chris Davis? Is Chris Davis going to be on the roster or is he going to be, um, you know, rehabbing his back? That's the big question because if, you know, if Chris Davis is there on the roster, well, then you've just got one extra spot, you know, and is that, do you go with an additional outfielder? Is that using Al Diaz? Is that Jemai Jones, um, Ryland Bannon? I actually think that it's probably going to be Pat Blake. Um, Pat got another hit today. I think he actually drove in a run if I remember correctly. Uh, you know, and he can, he's one of those guys that can play every single infield position. Uh, I think he even played in the outfield uh, for an inning or two last year. So, my guess is that that's your bench. Um, now, again, if Chris Davis goes on the uh, the IR or something, then uh, you know maybe we see somebody like a Ramon uh, Urias, who, who I think got another uh, did he get a hit today. I think he got a hit and then stole or walked and then uh, stole second. Uh, looked okay doing that back when they had the uh, the Pirates first baseman mic'd up. But that's going to be my guess. Yeah, and it's interesting because Bob, we're seeing Austin Hayes and. Cedric Mullins both have decent springs. Yeah, they're both off to a hot start here the first couple of weeks of the season. Obviously, both are going to make the team. I'm very interested to see how the playing time breaks down between them. You know, if they can get them both in the outfield, improve the defense sometimes, or, you know, if Hayes just starts against lefties, Mullins against righties, what are they going to do? But I do think a big part of the bench is going to come down to Chris Davis if he needs to hit that 730-day IL stint to get him, you know, out of Baltimore or – if that could give DJ Stewart a chance if his hamstring clears up. But I do think that uh, Urias versus Valeka could be what the big battle is for that last spot on the bench. Yeah, and David's asking, is Chris Davis hurt? Uh, yes, he's hurt. He's supposed to see a back specialist this week. Um, so he had two at-bats on the first game and then got hurt his back. So hopefully they'll know something. My guess is they use this to put him on the DL for a little bit, or IL. It's not the IL. It's now the IL, not the DL anymore. The injured list. Um, Joe, do you see a, a outfield with Hayes and Mullins both in the outfield? And then what do you do with Matt Castle and some of these other guys? I think it's yeah, I think it's really hard to put Mount Castle on the bench. I mean, he's not – he hasn't been hitting yet, but I, I, he's the – the player I'm most excited to see going into the season. Um, I don't think you have 
Hayes and Mullins both in the outfield together. I think, you know, one of them is on the bench or, or, or like I think Cody was saying, maybe a righty lefty matchup situation. That's tough though, because typically I, a lot of times I don't like when they do that because, you know, people getting into a group, it's, well, can you put Mount Castle at DH and put both these guys in the field? You could. You could. Uh, I mean, as long as Mount Castle's getting at bats, um, you, you definitely could do that and maybe have Santander and right. Um, then there's Diaz. What's what's going to happen with Diaz this year? Is he does he break with the club? Uh, I don't see him breaking with the club. I think that I think it's it's way too easy and convenient that they can send him to the alternate site in Bowie and then send him to Norfolk to continue to work on being the future of this team. Also, a, a potential trade candidate because our outfield is so crowded. So so maybe, and then you have, of course, Hayes' health. You know, that's another issue. Is, is he able to stay healthy for long enough? It could be a situation where it solves itself. Um, so... So we'll see, but All right. but that's that's the hottest battle in the outfield for sure. Yeah. Jimmy, you think fourteen pitchers, fifteen pitchers, seventeen pitchers? How many pitchers is this team carrying? As many pitchers? as we can. As many as we can, but I I need to go back to the outfield. Uh, <clears throat> I think Moans is your starting center fielder. I think Hayes is your starting left fielder. Santander is your starting right fielder. Pushes Mountcastle over to DH. Uh, you know. Matt and I were talking on our podcast, potentially uh, flexing him over at first base. Trey Mancini said that he would be more than happy at DH. He enjoys DHing, um, you know. And Mountcastle's already shown us a couple of loops, a couple of errors in the outfield. Of you know, this kid wasn't an outfielder in the minors, and for whatever reason, the Orioles have this idea of well, you can go ahead and stick any infielder into the outfield, and then you can play outfield. It doesn't work that way. So far, it has for the Orioles. They moved Chris Davis, and he looked fine in the outfield. They moved Trey Mancini, he looked fine in the outfield. The Orioles tend to take first basemen and move them into the outfield. Right, but Mountcastle wasn't a first, isn't a first baseman by trade. Mountcastle is not a any Fielder. position. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, yeah, he's not an infielder. They tried him on the corners. It didn't work out. I know in softball you can hide guys at second base. You can't in the majors. Of course, Jimmy, you're operating on the assumption that they are indeed trying to win games. Well, defense wins games, and if you go ahead and you stick that defense out there, Boston Hayes and uh, Cedric Mullins in there in left center, ain't nothing falling in between those two. All right. Well, but, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Joe. But say we are still on the, uh, on the rebuild program. Yeah. Well, the rebuild program's weird. Cody – we're in this weird spot where Michael Elias wants us to lose. Brandon Hyde wants us to win. The players want to win. But if the players start to do – if the players play well enough to win, then Michael Elias can trade all the players to make sure they lose. So how do you manage expectations going into this season? So think about what that, what that does to the psyche of somebody like Orion Mountcastle. Uh, him. I'm thinking well, about the psyche of the fans. <laughs> but, yeah, how does that affect the player like Mount Castle? I think that the fans have kind of bought into that. And the fans almost, you know, I, I think there was a lot of fans that were upset that we tried to 
win games last year and that we tried to even the audacity of trying to you know make it to the playoffs in this weird expanded playoff year. Uh, now that we had you know that experience of getting Adley Rutschman, that experience of getting Hestick first out with number two pick, well, that's still a big question mark. But I think fans now want that the you know who's the next Adley. If we're so bad, then we can get another one of these you know great prospects, and uh, that that's kind of an odd situation. And eventually, you know, you've kind of got to you got to go for it. So you know, you've got all these guys in the wings: the Grayson Rodriguez, the DL Halls. Um, you know, service manipulation is a big deal now. Uh, how much longer can they get away with it? Uh, at what point do you have to call up Adley because? Uh, risk lawsuits or whatever that might happen in the CBA. This is really the last year that you could hold him back for as long as you want. I think that I think there's going to be new rules in place. The the team's going to have to go. This is their last year if they want to try and tank. This is the last year they're going to get away with it. Sure, but again, I mean, I think we're all on board that this is this is the final year of just trashing the team. And it's, I don't think the players, you can't, there's this fine line where you can be like the, the owner in major league that wants the team to lose as many games as possible, but you can't then bring up young rookies that you want to succeed and not destroy them mentally while you're trying to lose. Joe, how do you balance this if you're Brandon Hyde? I've wondered that myself. You know, I don't know. How do you manage that as as a as a manager in that position? The the easy answer is you know, we're all professionals, so you know you're you're going through this as a professional, and you know you let the other stuff work itself out. But baseball is such a mental game, and it's such a you know grind over 162. That, that's brutal. It is when you see what's what's happening behind the scenes and, you know, that long term plan that's slowly just trudging along. Um, that I don't envy that position whatsoever um, because of that, because that's that's tough. And remember, Brandon Hyde's also trying to prove that he can coach a winning team. And that's the env- that is the flip side of that, the envi- enviable position for Elias, because he might be the only GM in in the game that can lose 300 plus games in his first three or four seasons, but still build his own resume, you know, right. because right. he's adding international uh, participation, building up the minor leads, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so he's a guy that just despite losing can be like, look at what I've done here in Baltimore. Whereas, sure, you know, sure. Chai doesn't afford necessarily that same ability. Yeah, Bob, Bob, do you think – how's this work for Mike Elias? Does he have his, his plan written out on a big whiteboard in his office and nothing deviates? Or do you think that anything can happen this season that flips a switch where it's okay, don't, don't get rid of these guys? Let's yeah, I think happens. he could deviate a little bit. I think it depends – if we say we surprise some people and we win more games than he thinks we're going to, I think it depends how that happens. If it's the veterans that are leading the charge, leading the way, then he'll trade them and, you know, we'll go back to get a couple guys and get back on the plan. But if it's our young guys that he expects to be here for the next contending team, then I think he'll take that. He'll take that as a, a sign that maybe it's going a little bit better, happening quicker than he thought, and maybe he can start working from there. All right.
Well, guys, we are three weeks away from opening day. So three weeks until Birdland Tonight is on pretty much every day covering the Orioles' post-game show. So make sure that you've downloaded and subscribed to the podcast Birdland Tonight. That gets you the audio. That also lets us get our numbers prepped as we're talking to people about getting onto this podcast. And also make sure you subscribe to Birdland Sports on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube so that you can get all the proper notifications saying when the shows are happening. But I'll give you a hint. They're happening after every single Oriole game. You'll just get the little reminder that'll remind you to turn off Masson, don't watch the World Series of Poker, come on over and join us for 30 minutes each night. Guys, in the final three weeks of spring training, final question, what are you guys looking for? Especially with games coming back on TV. Jimmy, what you looking for? I'm looking for the cemented starting uh, starting nine, or at least you know an idea of what our starting uh, starting roster is going to look like. I'm curious if Pat Vileka is going to keep this up, or whether or not he's going to. Uh, you know, it's safe to say that he's exceeding expectations right now. So I kind of always viewed him as a AAA player. Don't necessarily view him on the roster here, but he's he's outperforming expectations. So, what happens in the outfield? What happens in the infield as far as a utility guy? And do we have any pitching on this team? That's one thing. Yeah, and I think I don't know if this spring training different time wise with COVID, but I feel like the bats are always a little bit ahead of the pitching. But they just seem to be way ahead this spring. And it's also because you don't know when the pitcher goes out on that mound. Is he trying to strike the guy out or is he trying to get his slider moving properly? You have no clue. Joe, what are you watching over the next three weeks? Pitching. Just as a as a fan who wants to feel some sort of optimism, you know, going into the season, I would like to just see just them starting to get a little more comfortable, a little more uh, – consistent as you move forward in the next three weeks and get get ready for for opening day that's that's what i'll be looking for all right that makes sense um seems like something pretty straightforward to look for bob outside of pitching what are you looking for i'm looking to see if michael Elias brings in anyone else late in camp with a minor league deal like a rumored michael franco or even a rick porcello maybe if he thinks felix and matt harvey aren't going to cut it which doesn't look like they, they are, but, uh, and maybe if ownership gives them the go ahead to cut Chris Davis at this point. Gotcha. Uh, David over on Facebook is saying that he's just wanting a 500 season. Uh, when Cody, do you want to, do you want to let, let him know that it won't be this year? Hey, I, I, I put on, as soon as the season starts, I put on my, my orange tinted glasses and, uh, you know, I think I think that we have a shot for the playoffs. So, uh, of course, so did I. Don't, <laughs> I always said the cavalry was coming too. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> so, um, Cody, anything you're looking for? And you can see I put in my whiteboard some motivation this year. I got the zero point zero ready to go. I like that. I like that. Uh, so, you know, obviously pitching. You know, that, that's the theme tonight. But I, I'm really specifically interested in guys like Dylan Tate. Um, Bruce Zimmerman, so so two kind of opposite spectrums there. One, you know, really kind of high, and the other one kind of dropping down. 
Um, what about uh, Sean Armstrong? You know, he hasn't had a great outing. Does he travel? Does he make the team? Um, you know, what's our bullpen look like? You know, some of these guys like Zach Lothar, uh, is Cole Sulser going to be our closer or is he even going to be in the bullpen when we go up north? Uh, and what about, you know, guys like Fernando Abad? Uh, he has not looked great. Is he going to, uh, you know, is he going to get cut? Is he going to make it through spring training? Yeah, those are all things to watch for over the next three weeks. So here's something fun. I was just looking up. Here's the rest of the Birdland Tonight schedule until we get to opening day in three weeks. On the 24th starts our podcast week, which means every single night from the 24th through the 31st, there's a different Orioles podcast taking over the Birdland Tonight live feed. So another reason to go subscribe to Birdland Sports to watch all those other podcasts live. But that means that next week is our last Birdland Tonight, uh, whatever we call these spring conversations, where we hop on here and mix it up with more than two, three, four, five guys to talk Orioles. Which means next Thursday, probably Thursday, maybe Wednesday, but probably Thursday, is going to be when I'm going to ask all of you guys for your predictions to make some picks. And we're going to see if we can get all the hosts of Birdland tonight to hop on here and make some predictions. And we'll put some money on the line to see if Jimmy's right or wrong about Felix Hernandez this year. Either either Jimmy's going to be poor or he's going to come out rich after this season. Josh, I'm still holding two thumbs up on the audio podcast. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad your video window is small enough. We can't tell. All for you. So, all right, guys. Well, thanks for joining me again tonight. Remember, go subscribe to all that stuff. Next week, we'll make our predictions, and then we're going to flood your feed with podcasts for a week to get ready for opening day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.